Hey, Psycho Breakers. I hope that this podcast episode finds you all well. Things have been so busy in my little corner of the world. I have not gotten to record and do work on the episode, like, or on the podcast, excuse me, like I would have liked. Um, I know my last episode was about PTSD, and I was planning on my um, episode after that to be about complex PTSD. However, I wanted to take a break from that series and introduce an interview to you that I had with Dr. Elizabeth Miller. This interview was incredible. I really feel like it was so informative, and I know that you will find some really great information and inspiration from it. Elizabeth earned her Bachelor of Science degree in Human Sciences with specializations in addictive disorders and recovery services, education and human development, and family studies from Texas Tech University. And she has worked extensively in the addiction, recovery, and eating disorder field. She also holds a Master's of Education degree in Counselor Education and Counseling Psychology and her PhD in Mind-Body Medicine with specializations in Mental Health and Clinical Hypnosis. Elizabeth is a licensed professional counselor, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and a licensed chemical dependency counselor who specializes in maternal health, trauma, and chronic health conditions. She is also an active member of the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis and Society of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, and she is a licensed Texas teacher and school counselor. She is a psychotherapist, holistic health practitioner, researcher, and speaker who specializes in integrative psychotherapy and holistic wellness. She opened her private clinical practices, Elizabeth Miller Therapy and Well Mind Body, after working in a variety of clinical settings and noticing the lack of an integrative approach to mind-body healing. Dr. Miller provides support for women, teenagers, couples, and families who are looking for an integrative, holistic approach to mind-body healing. She merges research-based mind-body techniques and ancient wisdom traditions and practices with modern neuroscience. I just loved my conversation with Dr. Miller. We spoke about the link between chronic illness and trauma, and it was so informative and so educational. I really know that you are just going to enjoy it so much. And without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Elizabeth Miller. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you today? Hi, it's so nice to be here. I'm doing well. We are so excited to have you here. And um, today we are going to be talking about the relationship between trauma and chronic illness. I'm really looking forward to uh, speaking with you about it and finding out more. Uh, you want to tell the listeners uh, about yourself? Sure. So I'm a wife and a mom of two girls. I currently live in Houston and have two clinical practices, um, Elizabeth Miller Therapy and Well Mind Body, where we offer integrative psychotherapy and wellness services. Um, both are focused on helping people heal mind, body, spirit. I um, am an animal lover. I am actually from 
Minnesota. I'm not from Texas, but Texas has been my home for the last, I guess, almost 12 years. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much me. Wow, that's great. Um, I'm very jealous that you're in Ohio. So I'm jealous that you're in Texas. I lived in Arizona for a couple years and really miss, you know, just the more consistent weather um, and not so much cold. <laughs> the sunshine is nice. I will yes. say that. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, how did you come to be interested in the link between like chronic illness and trauma and just mind body wellness? That's a really good question. The short answer to that is that um, I experienced, you know, a significant number of prolonged adverse childhood experiences growing up and ultimately suffered from multiple chronic and debilitating health conditions um, that I believe were very interrelated. And so, you know, I I come from a place of, of being with <laughs> in these this journey of healing with people, you know, um, I found that unresolved trauma was a major hindrance in my physical healing journey. And I found that healing my mind, body, and spirit together, um, I was able to reach a much deeper and much more sustainable level of healing. And so then if I were to just focus on the mind, like Western um, typical psychology does. And so for me, I, my personal journey started with my own story and being very close to death um, with chronic health conditions, partially paralyzed, things like that. And then working with lots of different clinicians, lots of different um, people to heal myself and heal on a mind, body, spirit level. And so that's my short answer that really kind of got my foot in the door to all of this. But the longer answer, I think, too, is that I, you know, through my own experience, I learned so much. I learned that the mind and body are not disconnected. They are all interconnected. And once I started learning about the vagus nerve, once I started working with um, people who had trauma that could not really be helped by um, cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that, I really started to dive into somatic experiencing by Peter Levine. I really started working, um, reading the research um, from all sorts of different researchers that connected mind, body, spirit. I think historically, prior to um, the 20th century, you know, healing was a mind, body, spirit thing. And I think in the, you know, with the way that medicine has been the last hundred years, we've almost forgotten that everything is interconnected. And so it was almost a rabbit hole that I couldn't stop going down once I started. Um, and now being on the other side of this, I'm very healthy, I'm thriving, I'm living a wonderful life and sitting across from people who are going through their healing journey too. Um, and in addition to working with a lot of moms, you know, trying to conceive a lot of people who have experienced unexplained infertility, a lot of people who have experienced chronic health issues where their doctors are saying, you know, um, well, your labs look fine. We're finding, you know, that there's an emotional component, particularly related to adverse childhood experiences and maybe even adult, you know, significant trauma. Um, so that's kind of the longer answer to how I got into this. Um, I hope that explains it. Yes, absolutely. That is, I think it's really fascinating and it's so um, 
encouraging that you have been able to heal yourself and um, help others heal. Uh, I, I will say I do have kind of a personal interest in um, the link. I mean, I um, have uh, trauma, of course, and then I also have multiple chronic illnesses. Um, so I, I am just now starting out on learning um, you know, all of those connections. And it's, so this is just absolutely fascinating to me. Well, I'm glad to be here. So how is it that you think, I, I know that it's probably not really known, but how is, how is it that you think the mind and body are connected? How do they, um, kind of influence each other? So I think that kind of goes back to the history of the mind-body connection. You know, awareness of the mind-body connection is by no means new. You know, like I said, until approximately 300 years ago, I would even say sooner than that, virtually every system of medicine throughout the world treated the mind and body as a whole. But during the 17th century, the Western world started to see the mind and body as two distinct entities, like mind and body, psychology, um, you know, in our world now, you go to get your PhD in psychology or you go get an MD, right? We're very separate and not integrated. So in this view, the body was kind of like, a, you know, in the Western world, our body is kind of viewed like a machine with completely replaceable parts um, that are independent. And so while this Western view has definite benefits, you know, acting as the foundation for advances in like acute medicine, um, like trauma care, surgery, pharmaceuticals, um, it really reduced the, the scientific inquiry and reduced the exploration of how human emotional life and spiritual life are interconnected um, and really downplayed the body's innate ability to heal. And so in the 20th century, you know, we're, we started to see this change. Researchers began to study the mind-body connection. Um, and we started seeing significant research on how complex um, the links between mind and body are. Uh, one integrative psychiatrist, James Lake of Stanford University, you know, wrote extensively, and now we have the Mind Body Institute with James Gordon and all of that, but even just simple mindfulness-based training, yoga and other mind-body practices, um, we have significant research on it. But, you know, to go deeper into your question, the mind and body and spirit all work together. And one of the modern ways oftentimes we discuss this is talking about the vagus nerve, that nerve that goes all the way from our brainstem all the way into all of our organs and into our gut. And so when we talk about trauma therapy or trauma recovery therapy or compassionate trauma recovery, you know, and we're talking about things like somatic experiencing from Dr. Peter Levine, what we're really talking about is retraining our nervous system to not engage in fight, flight, freeze, fawn based off of previous traumatic experiences. So for example, when we're a kid, if we're really talking about, you know, childhood experiences um, and we experience a massive trauma or maybe even a small trauma, right? So I define trauma as anything that our body experiences that our nervous system perceives it can't handle. So we don't have the tools, we don't have the coping mechanisms, we don't have the support, we don't have an adult co-regulating with us to get through whatever we're going through. 
And so when we experience something, oftentimes our nervous system gets stuck at that age and in that moment. So later we might be an adult walking through a store and smell something that subconsciously we picked up on during that traumatic time when we were five and our mind and body revert right back into it. And we know this connection, you know, just on a very basic level. And as someone who, like you've said, has experienced trauma, we get a lot of physiological responses. So if you were four or five, when something happened and you started sweating and your palms got clammy and you started having blurred vision or things went dark or tunnel vision, um, or you felt small, right? Your body kind of turned inward. If we experience triggers, we'll go back to those same physiological experiences. So maybe our brain is remembering the memory, but our body is really what keeps score and our body is really where the trauma lives. Wow, that's amazing. Um, now, you had talked about childhood trauma uh, previously, and you had also talked about trauma that can happen as adult. So does the, the extreme response um, of, of the body in relationship to um, the traumatic experience or in relationship to the trigger, is that typically holding true for all trauma or is it mostly just childhood trauma? Do you see a difference between childhood and adult trauma in that um, instance? So, you know, yes and no. So we know that when we experience ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, it makes our nervous systems far more susceptible um, to threat and stress later on. And the difference really between, if we're really trying to find a difference here, you know, as a child, we need an adult to co-regulate with us. You know, it is not a child's job to regulate, nor can they. And so if we have, you know, adverse childhood experiences and we don't have an adult there who we trust co-regulating with us, then our nervous systems become far more susceptible to the stress later on. And so what we know is that a lot of people who have, are diagnosed with PTSD later in life, say they went to war or say they had a car accident or say they had a miscarriage or a birth trauma. When, if they're diagnosed with PTSD, a majority of them, a more majority of people in this category also had adverse childhood experiences, which made them more susceptible, which it's almost like a compounding effect of trauma. And so we do know that people who had severe or high score of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, are far more likely to have chronic health conditions at a much earlier onset. So the higher our ACEs score, there's a test that people can take to see, you know, how high their score is, but the higher the score, the earlier onset we see of chronic health conditions. I see. So it's kind of a two-part question. Does that mean that someone who doesn't have a high ACEs score and experiences trauma later in life would not experience PTSD? Maybe not, but they could, especially if their resources are low, they are malnourished, they don't, they're not getting adequate sleep, their self-care routines are off. We become much more susceptible to compounded trauma if our bodies or even our energy pathways are too wide open. Sure, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I, I find the ACEs uh, study and test just completely fascinating as well. I think it's really interesting. 
Um, I will say when I first learned it and went through, I was a little downtrodden because I, my score is quite high. Um, and so it, it felt almost like there was just this huge mountain that I would never be able to climb. Um, but it, it, it is good. I think you can't really heal unless you know, you know, where you're coming from. So, um, I agree. And I think your experience of what you just shared is very common. I think sometimes in our research world, we do a really poor job of presenting things in language of hope. We forget to say, okay, so we have a very high ACEs score. Okay, we can still heal. We know how to re-regulate nervous systems. Will it take someone who has a higher ACEs score longer than someone who has a lower ACEs score to heal? Potentially. Maybe, but maybe not, because if we are really learning how to tune into our intuition, we're really, you know, making our life in alignment with what we need and who we are and what our purpose is, then we can heal and we can fully heal from this childhood trauma. We can heal from adult trauma. We can also heal from chronic health conditions. Um, you know, we're not stuck in, stuck in this perpetual state of sickness as Western medicine sometimes leads us to believe. And oftentimes the writing that we read oftentimes leads us to believe. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Um, so do you, in your experience, in your, um, practice, do you see a lot of improvement for the outcomes of chronic illnesses as people heal their trauma? I do. And that's a multiple part question. You know, I often refer back to the Vanderbilt wellness wheel. So in order to heal, we need to heal the eight parts of that, which include, um, you know, self-care, our social world, our, you know, environment, our internal environment in our body, right? Gut brain access. What is our gut like? What are we eating? What type of supplements might we need? What are we not getting from our our food that maybe we would need? What are our inflammation levels? Things like that. So that's, you know, it, Elizabeth Miller Therapy and Well Mind Body, we take a very integrative approach to heal on multiple levels. So we don't take a one avenue approach. We take the eight avenue approach of the wellness wheel. So maybe at some point, right, you know, after, for example, after having a child, you know, sleep is not going to happen. And so we're not going to attack that in a way that maybe we would with someone who could really work on their sleep hygiene, really could work on their inflammation levels. Um, but what we know, and maybe this will help, you know, when we experience trauma, we experience cortisol spikes and we experience changes in blood sugar and insulin levels and blood pressure changes. Um, we experience a lot of physiological and psychological experiences that get us stuck in what I like to call a high or low pattern. And so our brain works on patterns. Our, our brains are very primal and habitual. And so, you know, this is kind of how our body gets into that survival state, which can lead to symptoms and disease. And we, in my practice, I use the terms fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And fawn is that people-pleasing side. So, you know, a lot of us, if we've experienced childhood trauma feel like the only way to navigate the world is to people please. Well, we can work on our nervous system in conjunction with setting boundaries and work on our diet, our lifestyle, again, identifying our purpose. Why am I here? And aligning our life with that. And sometimes that means saying yes to certain things that are scary and new. And sometimes that means saying no to things that no longer serve us or no longer um, work for us in the season of life we're in. 
And so in my clinical practice, we come at it from a, an eight point um, perspective instead of just one. Wow, that sounds really, um, that's just wonderful, a wonderful approach for that. Now, if someone wanted to um, get in touch with you or work with you, um, how would they, how would they do that? Is, are you able to work with people outside of Texas or is it just, um, just people within your state that you can work with? So my license is held in Texas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm a licensed um, chemical dependency counselor here in Texas. My licenses don't extend um, outside of that. However, my PhD is in mind-body medicine. And so a large part of my practice is teaching people how to heal. And so I do a lot of wellness coaching on nervous system regulation. I do a lot of wellness coaching on... Um, the gut brain access and teaching people simple ways to re-regulate their nervous system, especially, you know, as children, if we weren't co-regulated, we don't know how to regulate as an adult, which is why we see such compounded trauma. And so I do a lot of wellness coaching in that sense. Um, You know, my hope is to expand to a broader platform and create printouts and create educational resources that people can learn on their own time and that, that match whatever season of healing they're in. So I, I met you through Instagram also, so people could follow you there. And then I also saw that you do uh, speaking engagements. Um, tell me a little bit more about that if someone was interested in, in anything like that. Yeah, so they can find me at, well, at, at wellmindbody. Um, I believe it's well underscore mindbody on Instagram or at Dr. Elizabeth Miller on Instagram. My website is wellmindbody.co. I do a lot of speaking engagements. I recently just did one for HSPVA, which is the high, um, the performing arts public high school here in Houston, where I taught parents how to help regulate, help co-regulate their teens who are going through, you know, massive changes, especially the last two years and all of that. Yes. Um, and so I do things like that. I do a lot of speaking engagement with moms. Um, I work with doctors, physicians, and train them how to better co-regulate with their patients, um, help people create a calmer, safer environment. Um, I am part of the American Society for Clinical Hypnosis. Um, I also work a lot with ECO, which is Exponential Clinical Outcomes. And so I'm presenting on the gut-brain access and the effects that it has on mental health when we have um, parasitic infections and things like that, which also are linked to ACEs um, in May. And so I do a lot of different speaking engagements and um, it really just kind of depends on who reaches out and when and what the topic is. I typically present on the gut brain access and um, you know how trauma and chronic illness are interrelated. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love that you teach people regulation. That was something that I never had as a child. Um, and I really didn't, um, get into it or understand it or even, uh, know that it even necessarily existed until I had my own children. Um, that was when I started becoming more intentional about it and, 
um, as silly as it sounds, I um, kind of started learning about it through Daniel Tiger <laughs> because I would see how the parents on Daniel Tiger were with their kids. I and love thought, it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I could do that, you know. Um, so it's it's really amazing. But yeah, you're you're very much correct in the sense of um, trauma building on itself when you don't know how to regulate. Um, and when you have just spent years and years just really kind of stuck in that same reaction as when you were a child um, because you don't know what else to do. So I think it's amazing that you're teaching people that. I think it's so needed and you're so right. You know, we do get stuck, um, especially if we don't have the tools or the resources and that's where resilience comes in. Um, we talk a lot about resilience, but we don't really talk about what resilience is. And resilience is building the skills and tools to help regulate our own nervous systems. I think sometimes we think resilience is, oh, just keep, you know, experiencing something. No, it yeah. is teaching the building blocks to help our nervous system re-regulate after a significant experience. Wow. I love that definition. That makes a lot more sense than just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> Yeah, the pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps doesn't really work. And no. what we've even found is that when we do that or we shove emotions down for metaphorically speaking here, it lives in our organs. Mm -hmm. um, and so shame and anger, it houses in our liver, in our spleen. And then we get lots of, you know, type 2 diabetes, heart and lung disease, autoimmune disease, um, liver disease, and all, you know, anger issues. Um you know, uncontrollable feelings of rage. And so I don't recommend the pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. Um, but I do recommend, you know, really diving into and being curious about what parts of our nervous systems need healing, what parts of our nervous systems need co-regulation. A therapist is a great person to help you co-regulate. This is not something that you have to do on your own. Um, you know, even the, the profession of OT helps um, kids re-regulate in some ways. Um, but really, you know, there's lots of programs out there. There's lots of therapists who specialize in this. You don't, that nobody has to do this alone. That's absolutely true. Um, I am a therapy champion. I was, um, was not, I was someone who pushed back on it a lot. And then once I experienced just how wonderful it is, it's like shout it from the rooftops. Change is hard. And, you know, I have this saying that us humans don't change until we have to. Exactly. I think, I think motherhood is a great invitation for us to have to change. Yes. Um, I remember saying, you know, I want to raise my daughters differently than I was raised and I'm going to be very intentional about it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's much harder than saying, you know what, I'm just going to go raise my kids off of my subconscious um, yes. and, you know, create more perpetual transgenerational trauma. Absolutely. Um, it, it takes a huge leap of energy and faith and um, research and curiosity to do things differently. Yes, absolutely. Now, you had said just a few minutes ago about you gave an example of uh, shame living in the liver. Are there specific areas that are linked to different types of traumas in the body or specific illnesses that are linked to different types of traumas? You know, a lot of this research 
um, came from Eastern medicine, such as Chinese medicine, um, traditional Chinese medicine, a lot of energy work. And now it's been brought into the research in terms of psychophysiology. So the research in the Western world usually is under psychophys. Um, but what we know is that grief, for example, lives in the lungs, lungs and diaphragm. And so we see, you know, I actually did an Instagram live yesterday where an, with a naturopathic doctor and she had, you know, a, a patient who never smoked a day in her life was lived a very non-toxic lifestyle, but had gone through significant unresolved grief and ended up having lung cancer. Right. Wow. And so we see these, you know, links all the time, but we know grief lives in the, um, grief, sadness, live in the lungs, the diaphragm area, which is oftentimes where we get that feeling of like, I can't breathe when something really grief stricken happens. Yes. Um, you know, we usually identify um, emotions in terms of where it goes in the body because our, our nervous systems are so primal. Mm -hmm. It does not differentiate necessarily between traumas. Um, but the overwhelm of a type of emotion or emotion that we're not letting our bodies be vessels for. So coming in and coming out instead of instead when we're housing these emotions and not letting them go, we're pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps um, instead of, you know, actually regulating within the context we're experiencing something. Anger lives in the, um, the liver, shame. We find a lot in the spleen and things like that. Wow. That's incredible. Um, mm -hmm. my mom passed away five years ago from lung disease and she had a lot of grief in her life. She had, um, a, a full-term baby who died, uh, her sister and best friend mm -hmm. died. She just had a lot of, of grief. So, um, th that really makes a lot of sense. That's amazing that you're able to kind of, you know, pinpoint that type of thing. I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, that's significant. And yes, we can, and we can also heal. We know a lot more than we used to. Mm -hmm. And there are things to help us work through these things like intense, enormous grief. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I see this every day. Wow. That's incredible. Now, Dr. Miller, uh, what are your top three recommended strategies to heal trauma? really good question. So in my practice, I, like I said, I train people how to, for lack of a better word, biohack their nervous system. Our fear, our anxiety, our traumatized nervous system is just inherently lying to us, right? I'm not unsafe now here in my office as I talk to you. Um, in reminding ourselves, you know, training our nervous systems through the practice of stress management, through the practice of learning how to calm mind and body. Sometimes that's learning how to calm our mind. Sometimes that's learning how to calm our body and vice versa. So, you know, when we're in a situation, we know how to biohack ourselves into re-regulating. Um, investing in you. What I find the biggest and the hardest thing to change. So I have a lot of people who start to really physically heal, but then they hit this roadblock. And a lot of times the roadblock is they are not living in alignment with who they are, what their purpose is, and what their meanings, you know, what is meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. You know, our world is full of shoulds. 
we get shoulds growing up. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. Oh, you are smart. So you should do this. Or, you know, you're not so smart. So you shouldn't do that. Or I don't think you'll be successful, right? We're filled with these shoulds, cultural shoulds, um, economic, you know, different shoulds, all of these things and um, familial story shoulds. And so I find the biggest part, one of the largest parts of healing is removing that hold that these shoulds have on us, saying no to things that do not serve us and saying yes to things that do. And sometimes that's saying yes to even just an extra five minutes of rest. Sometimes that means saying, yes, I'm moving to a new city. Sometimes that means you know, saying no to, gosh, I really want to see my friend, but I don't have the energy today. Right. And really working on investing in yourself, investing in your inner bulls. I like, I like to call it the people who are closest and get your most energy. Um, and then the last one is really developing resilience. So working with someone to build our distress tolerance, building that stress cup, so that we can handle what comes our way. Nobody's life is going to be easy. Life is inherently difficult, but learning how to biohack or you know, re-regulate our nervous system and filling our reserve cup. You know, in the world we live in right now, our world has out-evolved our brain. <laughs> and so Absolutely. we're all living on very little reserve. In order to have reserve in our world now, we have to be very intentional. We have to set aside time and space to recharge in the way that works best for us every day. And so I really recommend, you know, practicing stress management skills, working with practitioners or people or in your community that help you feel safe and calm, learning how to re-regulate your nervous system, um, living in alignment with your purpose and developing the resilience so that when tough things do come our way, we have strategies to pull out of the back of our pocket and use right away. And we don't have to wait to call our therapist. You know, we can use them right away um, and re-regulate. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much. If you could tell someone who's at the very beginning of their healing journey one thing, what would it be? Oh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Even if the tunnel seems so black and dark and heavy and icky, there is light and there is hope and there is healing. We didn't get to where we were overnight. We may not get out of it overnight, but every time we say yes to things that serve us and no to things that don't, we are inching our way closer to full and complete healing. That's great. Thank you. And also, I just want to say to thank you for helping people and for doing all of the things that you do. I know that the last two years, I think, especially have been a lot more difficult for mental health professionals because you have a lot more uh, patients or clients um, and just everyone's going through a lot more stuff. So I know that it's probably been extra difficult. So thank you for everything that you do. I appreciate that. And you are correct. The last two years, I think we have um, experienced a collective type trauma that, you know, the last few generations had never experienced. Um, 
you know, trauma is when something happens and our nervous system can't handle it. And when our world shuts down overnight, um, that's definitely a shock to the system. And there's no guidebook on how to navigate it. So I'm just grateful to be here. And I, you know, I tell every single one of my clients how honored I am that they chose me to sit across from them and join them on their journey. Because at the end of the day, we need community, we need connection in order to heal. And I just am so grateful that I get to be that person for some people. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today and doing this podcast episode. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Dr. Miller is just such a light in the world and was just full of great information. And you can tell that she really cares about what she's doing and really cares about people. I hope to be able to work again with her in the future on the podcast. In my next episode, I do plan to continue the series on PTSD. So I will be talking about uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And then uh, I will be speaking in the episode after that, I believe about ACEs. You heard Dr. Elizabeth uh, or Dr. Miller, excuse me, say um, some information about adverse childhood experiences and that is ACEs. So um, I would like to delve into that deeper and give information regarding that. If there's anything that you're interested in learning more about or any topics you would like me to cover, please feel free to contact me. And if you find this podcast helpful and you're enjoying it, please leave um, a review and subscribe to it. Uh, Whenever you leave a review, that helps people to be able to find the podcast and then hopefully reach more people and help more people on this journey of healing. To close out the episode, I'd like you to, if you are safe and able to do so, close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. I would like to go over our affirmation. Take a deep breath and say to yourself, I am strong. I am kind. I am good. And I am worthy of all the love in the world. Thank you so much, Cycle Breakers. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Love and light to you. Thank you.